2: Hello and welcome to the Autosport Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Kalanorkas. This is a new episode format that we're bringing you after the 2020 Styrian Grand Prix, the Autosport Driver Ratings. Now part of my job after each and every Grand Prix is to give all 20 drivers a mark out of 10 based on their performance across the whole race weekend, which is published in Autosport Magazine and on Autosport.com+. plus. The drivers are judged using the following scoring system, which was established by my predecessors as Grand Prix Editor. The drivers are rated for their performance throughout the whole weekend with a focus on qualifying in the race. 10. Exceptional performance, maximising the result and, either through overturning a major obstacle or dominance over rivals, excelling. 9. Outstanding performance but without quite reaching the heights required for a maximum score. 8. Very good performance with no major errors and a final result that, relative to circumstances, reflected the car's pace. Seven. Good performance, perhaps one that's a little inconsistent in some aspects or without extracting the maximum from the car but still yields a reasonable result. 6. Solid performance but without getting the most out of the car or nailing it when it really mattered. 5. Patchy performance, not necessarily off the pace but failing to string together the weekend well and coming away short of a good result. 4. Disappointing performance, failing to get close to the maximum of the car and making mistakes at key moments. 3. Poor performance, either through struggling to get the most out of the car or, through some massive error, falling short. 2. Very poor performance, with mediocre pace and mistakes adding up to a wasted weekend. 1. Terrible, a performance with no redeeming features. So that's how it's worked out, and now you can hear why I gave the rankings I did to the field in last weekend's race at the Red Bull Ring. So, please enjoy this episode, which is presented by Motorsport Network's Director of Digital Strategy, Jess McFadden.
1: Okay, so Alex, we're going to kick start with the team that really needed a good news story and it just did not come. And that, of course, is Ferrari, who had pretty much the worst race that they could have possibly imagined going into this second round in Austria.
2: Qualifying was bad with Leclerc exiting in Q2 and then getting a penalty. And then he commits the Cardinal sin in the race. He takes his teammate out. As we'll come on to, he earns a lower score than Vettel did last week because at least when Vettel spun and hit another car, it was from another team. Um, but yeah, disaster for Ferrari. Um, it's, really, it's, it's going to be a really hard season and I suspect a really hard next season as well.
1: Vettel has been given a five and Leclerc has been given a three, which is the lowest rating so far. Obviously, we've only had two races, but still the lowest rating so far.
2: So Vettel gets a higher rating because he's blameless in the collision and he qualified ahead. So. Ultimately, yeah, he's, he's ahead on two counts. Uh, he did have a bad start, so that's why his score can't really get any higher. And he was pretty lacklustre in Q3, um, like qualifying 10th. You know, he got beaten by both Renaults and Alfa uh, you know the McLarens he should have been in a fight with really when you think about the pace of the car so yeah so that's why Vettel's was on a five and Leclerc has to be a three he can't score higher than Vettel did last week because the collision was was catastrophic taking out his teammate it was a rash move I don't really know what he was thinking yeah he held his hand up and he apologised immediately and that's great I really do commend him for that and from what I know from when I covered him in, in F2 that's exactly the kind of guy that he is but yeah it was just such a bad error such a bad error and it was always going to happen he was going into a gap that was always going to close takes out his teammate and actually damages Kevin. Magnussen's car on the outside as well.
1: Okay so the driver next up the, the grid who also didn't finish the race uh, and it was quite an unfortunate one because he had a really really good qualifying looked really much stronger than he was last week because last week for me he was a driver that just didn't really do much, didn't really set me alight or think that he was had a particularly good performance but his qualifying was, was brilliant he did really really well in the wet but then obviously Renault then had that calling issue and he had to retire and he also had his teammate telling him to get out of the way which is always really quite uh, amusing but so you've given him an 8 out of 10.
2: Chiefly from the from the qualifying performance because it was just so good he beat a red bull in a Renault has really Renault really has no business being p5 on the grid at the moment sorry Fernando if you're if you're watching which I hope you are okay yeah he was he did look slower in the race I don't know whether the calling problem was affecting his pace obviously that did do for Daniel Ricciardo a week ago uh, but yeah I mean it it was problematic. I think had he had the race gone on, he might well have ended up with a lower score because he held up his teammate. He kind of looked like he, he sort of screwed over his teammate's conscious strategy. It was a good performance and he, he he outperformed the car and that's why he got a high score. It was just unfortunate we couldn't see what he could have done with it in the end.
1: So next up the road, we had the two Williams. You know, I feel a bit sorry for Latifi because he is paired with somebody that everybody is talking about as the next Mercedes driver. And he did, obviously his Saturday, Russell's Saturday was really really strong you know getting into q2 it was amazing that williams were actually quite upset they didn't make it into q3 which i mean that's that's such a good news story for williams after last year you've given george russell an 8 uh, and Nicholas Latifi a seven, which is quite strong. But so I wanted to ask why you've given Latifi such a strongish score.
2: Great weekend for Williams because of Russell's qualifying result. But yeah, Latifi's score is strong because I'm, I'm a bit like you. I do feel a bit sorry for him having to go up against George Russell because he's very highly rated. You know, he's on the Mercedes books, and by all accounts, he's quite an intense teammate to have. I think in the junior formulas, especially at ART and GP3 and F2, I think he was. I think he, you know, he demanded a lot of the team, and and maybe that rubs off on his teammates as well. And you can sort of see that in the drivers survive uh documentary on netflix when he when he's in a debrief he's really you know he's really um he's honest in his feedback let's put it that way Uh, but yeah the other reason why i feel sorry for latifi particularly this weekend and why he scores highly it's because he's very good in qualifying. He was unlucky, I think, with uh, with the red flag caused by uh, uh Alpha Romeo. So we didn't he didn't get the chance to do a final. Like, he hadn't quite improved on what would have been his penultimate lap, but he still had one more attempt to get in there when the red flags came out. But he was showing strongly and out qualified um, Giovinazzi as well. Obviously, he, he he crashed, which we'll get onto later, affects his own score. And um, so yes, that's the reason why Latifi uh, yeah, he, he scored so highly, and also. Didn't really do a lot wrong in the race. He he finished pretty much where we would expect him to finish. And the reason why you know he's definitely scored lower than Russell is because Russell went off the track and came back past him. Uh, now coming on to Russell, so good in qualifying. Re- you know, again he he was he was he was he was on track to earn a really high score had the race uh, panned out as we would expect from him. But it was a poor error, and he he again he owned it. He put his hands up. But yeah, he just sort of he sort of got a snap of oversteer as he came around the outside of Magnussen and skated into the gravel. So yeah. But nevertheless, that qualifying performance, that Williams, which again, finished about where it should have done. That's why it deserves an eight.
1: I think I'd probably agree with you. Right, we've got the first of the Alpha Tauris now. Um, and Gasly, who again had a really strong showing in qualifying, just kind of dropped off in the race. His teammate finished higher than him, uh, even though he started higher up the grid, like much higher up the grid. So what happened with Gasly and why have you given him an 8 out of 10?
2: So the reason why Gasly gets an 8, and I suspect, Jess, that maybe you and I will disagree on the score and, and the viewers as well. But the reason why is because he just did so well in qualifying. Getting that Alpha, Alpha Tauri ahead of the Ferrari, into Q3, astonishing in the wet, brilliance from Gasly. I looked up and saw a replay that shows Ricardo clips the back of the Alfa Tauri at the first corner and then when it ex- was explained afterwards Gasly felt that that had actually damaged the car. Now the team hadn't diagnosed the problem, maybe it was just sort of a, oh you know we're going to put a bit of an arm around him and say this is why his pace wasn't so good but we have to take him at his words and hopefully they'll explain exactly what the issue was. Um, he just couldn't make the hards work as well as um, his teammate Daniel Kvyat did. And that's ultimately what it did for him. But the qualifying performance was so strong, that's why I boosted him up.
1: Jovanazzi is next up, the finishing order. Not a very strong showing from Giovinazzi. You've given him a six, which I think is probably a fair. I would potentially even give him a five.
2: I think a five would also have been fair, Jess. But the reason why he does get a six is because he actually drove very well at the start of the race. He made a good start. Uh, he avoids nicely the Ferrari drama. But yeah, the reason why he's down in a six is, as you say, that Q1 crash uh, ultimately costs and the chance to improve as well. And that's, as, as we sort of, as we said last week with Valtteri Bottas, that's, that's, not, that's not really very good. So yeah, poor Mark for Giovinazzi.
1: Up next, we've got another team that hasn't really been having a a great moment and maybe that is uh, the Ferrari Association. But Haas just seems to have like an absolute nightmare, just a no-show. They're just kind of nowhere.
2: They both score eight. Um, Grosjean... um obviously had more problems to overcome which is why his mark is sort of boosted slightly higher and Magnussen I think he finished ahead obviously so that's why he ends up there it was interesting because they both they both end up finishing ahead of a faster car in Giovinazzi and but what was really interesting was that Haas swapped both drivers twice and at neither point did the two drivers drive into each other which obviously they could not do last season so commendable for that effort I would say
1: another eight out of ten is Kimi Raikkonen the pretty solid result for him
2: obviously he was uh, screwed over rather by the red flag in Q1 but I think he qualified basically where the car would have been anyway it's not it is, it is on. he's going to struggle to get out of Q1 at the moment and the reason why he does well is because he rises up the order in the race gets ahead of the Hasses as he should do because it's a faster car but at the start again he is another victim of the Ferrari incident his car he's, he's sort of trapped on the inside whereas Giovanazzi can go round the, the you know the, the melee as it were um, but he has to slow right down his car actually goes into anti-stall several times if you watch the onboard he's sort of like can't get it going and now he is saved by the safety car obviously that allows him to catch back up but he still has to get back past everyone which he does which is why he scores an eight.
1: We're moving on to the, my first shock result that you've given me Alex you've given Daniel Kvyat a nine out of ten which is really really strong why?
2: I was really impressed by Kvyat I think he qualified about where you'd expect the Alfa Tori to to, to be in Q2 and the reason why he does so well is yeah okay the Ferraris were gone in their ridiculous incident obviously Ocon as well that just means there was an opportunity Opportunity for someone to score a point and he took it. I think if you look at the midfield you can sort of split it into McLaren, Ferrari, Renault racing point well in front of them obviously and then there's another split where you've got AlphaTauri, Haas and Williams and for one of those teams to score a point, I think you've really got to reward that. And it was a great drive from Kvyat. He went, went you know, he was on a, a quite a different strategy to most people. He started on the mediums, went on to the hards, which he was able to make work. He had to soak up a lot of pressure, particularly from Giovinazzi, who was uh, who who'd make the best of his uh, good start for falling back. And then at the end, he was able to run clear. So he was. He, I just thought he was pretty good, and I think that's rewarded. And, and he wasn't shown on, on 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 TV much, but yeah, I think I think he deserves uh, deserves credit for his race.
1: Uh, next up we've got the guy who started P3. Is this a reason why he maybe doesn't score as highly? Because Carlos Science has got an eight out of ten.
2: Yeah, it was it is that sort of second half of the race that costs him a nine, really, Jess, because yeah, he was so oh, he was so good in qualifying. That lap to be third on merit in the wet only behind Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen, is truly impressive. What a lap from Carlos Sainz uh, in qualifying. But yeah, I mean, he was running okay in the first stint. Like he, Ricardo was about just over a second behind him when they came in for the pit stops. So you don't know where he would have ended up in the mix, but you'd like, like to think he'd be there or thereabouts had he been able to keep his tyres alive. He played the team game brilliantly. He showed Renault how to do it. And by letting Norris through... That allowed Norris to go on to get P5, whereas if he hadn't, McLaren might have ended up with 8th and ninth as opposed to 5th and ninth. So, you know, good on Carlos for doing that. And good on McLaren for just being like, right, this is happening.
1: Yeah, I know. It just goes to show that if you follow team orders... You can sometimes get a better result, and I know people at home really don't like team orders, but I guess like it's part of the strategy play, right? You want to bring home as many points as you can, and if your drivers are in the wrong order and that's scuppering your chances, then you're gonna get them out, wanting to get them out of the way, which leads us on to Daniel Ricciardo, who was pretty desperate to get his teammate out of the way for a lot of that first stint, um, and you've given him a seven out of uh, ten. Which I probably would agree with.
2: Yeah, it was it was it was a weird one with Ricardo because it, the, the, the the Ocon battle just just ruined his strategy. There was just sort of you just think what what were Renault, what were Renault thinking that the order should have come there? And again, to reference Fernando Alonso again, he's gonna he's gonna be screaming this time next year if the same thing happens. It would have been interesting to see what he could have done had the strategy been allowed to play out. But the reason why he has to get a seven was because yeah, he slipped back in stint two, but he qualified behind Gasly in a much slower car, and he also hit him at turn one. Which I know, yeah, I know, I know. These things do happen in the in the in the type scrap at the start, but yeah, it was a you know it's a non-contact sport, we shouldn't really be doing that.
1: <laughs> okay now we've got the curious incident of the racing points which uh, obviously at the moment we're still waiting to hear whether they will even be allowed to keep their um, points and positions from this race because obviously there's now a full FIA investigation as to whether their brake duts are a carbon copy of last year's Mercedes which is is not allowed so that's currently under investigation but What is going on with those racing points? Between the two of them, I think I agree in the order you've put them. So Lance Stroll, you've given a six. Sergio Perez, you've given a seven. I mean, actually, no. That drag race to the finish and him still holding on even though he was limping to the line was just fab. Like, how can you give him a seven?
2: Yeah, I I totally agree, Jess. It was a brilliant drive from Sergio Perez. I mean, it it was just all undone with the incident in Albon. He says it was his one opportunity to get by, but you had more laps to do it. And the car was so so fast he was so much quicker than albon and actually when i went into the numbers for my autosport.com and autosport magazine race report he was faster than valtteri bottas over the second stint and they stopped at a similar time so he was really 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 on it the reason why he gets seven qualified p17 on the grid and then he hit another car and cost himself a a position Uh, actually two positions because he should have finished fourth and he had the pace it seems to be in the hunt for the podium so perez yeah i've said it in my in my in my explanation for for autosport.com and for the magazine he he was looking like he was going to get an eight or a nine. He was overturning it. His race performance was great, and then he ruined it all. I was really looking forward to getting to talking about the racing point drivers because the car is so good. We finally seen it. It looked good in practice with the Austrian Grand Prix. It's even better on Friday, and then they both they both messed up in the wet.
1: Alright, fair enough, I think you're gonna have a lot of angry people in the comments right now because of that rating. We want to know what you think so keep on commenting. If you don't agree with Alex's ranking of Perez, head over to autosport.com and there's a little widget underneath each of the drivers that you can uh, rescore the drivers uh, that you don't agree with Alex on, so there you go, head over to autosport.com for that. Next up we've got the driver that people are now calling Last Lap Lando because Where does that last lap pace come from? How does he keep managing to do it? And why have you only given him a 9 out of 10?
2: There's a very, very clear and very good and very strict reason why he cannot score a perfect score, which is because he ignored yellow flags in FP1 and got a grid penalty that's pretty damning like it's it's there for a safety reason you don't know what's happening with the marshals and the cars stopped on track so you you cannot do that and as I said it's a whole weekend score obviously he's weighted significantly more towards qualifying in the race but that's just a sloppy error from Lando which he which he shouldn't have made particularly coming on the back of his great podium finish and but yeah brilliant from from Lando in the race and the key here was managing his soft tyres all the way up until lap 39 which meant he could sort of unleash his pace later on in the race compared to his rivals as I said let by brilliantly by Saints, went on another charge, again, putting some some great moves. But yeah, it's just he comes across Perez, who is so slow. He only has a split second to jink by him. He does it at the last corner. He gets fifth place. And for me, he gets nine.
1: Again, somebody who can't seem to get a break is Mr. Alex Alban. You've given a six out of 10. I think I'd be inclined to agree, purely just based on the fact that he just could not keep up at all, could he? He was so far off the pace. Is that the main reason for a six out of 10?
2: It is um, obviously Max Verstappen was so far ahead he was able to make another pit stop to try and go for fastest lap at the end, which is really damning for Alex Albon. I do feel sorry for him. I think he's been he's he's brilliant. He's 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 shown very very well in his sort of season and a bit in Formula One and could have won the race last week. Obviously, I think you know circumstances aided him with that. But the re- if you look at our rules definition, he cannot score higher than a six because this was not a good race performance. If you take their lap times from the safety car restart to when Verstappen pits. Alwan shipped a second lap. That's really alarming, frankly. Verstappen dismissed this in the press conference when I asked him after the race. He said it wasn't like Hungary 2019, where Pierre Gasly not being in the lead fight cost him the win against uh, Mercedes and Lewis Hamilton, but it did look very similar. Without having a second car in play, Red Bull were completely outfoxed. There was nothing they could do. By that point, Bottas was always going to get by because Mercedes had a pace advantage and they had the strategy advantage. Now, Red Bull did what they could. We'll come on to Verstappen in a minute. Anyway, it's Albon's absence that costs, harms his team. And then there's qualifying where he gets beaten by Ocon, where he gets beaten by Sainz. And he said, you know, he, he breaks a bit late and hit a river. Well, maybe it's your have job done that, to avoid Alex. those you know, rivers, just, isn't it? I don't I don't want to beat up on him too much, but in a Red Bull, you can't be that far behind your teammate. You just can't.
1: For a P3, you've given him a nine out of ten. And I think, you know, it, it was it was a typical Max Verstappen performance, wasn't it? It was just he he got absolutely everything he could out of that car, had a brilliant wheel-to-wheel moment with Bottas. I mean, the fact that he doesn't give up and he just comes back even though he's on the back foot is just typical Max Verstappen, and I think it just makes him such an exciting driver to watch, but ultimately did have to yield, came in P3, bit of a disappointment I think for himself and the team, but to be honest, I'm not sure he could have done much more. So uh, what is that the reason why he doesn't get full points?
2: So the reason why he doesn't get full points is the Q3 spin, because that is an error. Okay, yeah, you know, Hamilton was untouchable. It was really hard in the wet. I know there were some weird comments on Twitter saying that he was, because of a story I wrote, that he was blaming Vettel, giving him understeer when Vettel pitted. He wasn't, he just explained it, but he did contribute to the off. That was an incidental aside there. Um, But yeah, so yeah, there was an error there. And it could, it could potentially have cost him. Like, you can't afford those slips and you don't know what's going to happen. Okay, Hamilton was another level in qualifying. But yeah, Jess, I mean, he he really did all he could. Apart from that, he qualified second, as we'll come on to with Altair Bottas behind him. Um, and Red Bull were in a bind. Once, once there was no Albon... And and, and, as, and as Verstappen acknowledged, actually really maybe no strategy call was going to get Red Bull to beat Mercedes in that race.
1: I think I would imagine a lot of people at home are OK with a nine for a Max Verstappen. But um, so the guy that beat him to P2, Valtteri Bottas, eight out of ten. And in comparison to his teammate just showed the difference in, in calibre, really, when it comes to wet weather driving, which for me is a massive indicator of a great driver. Um, and I think it, we were spoiled in qualifying. We really got to see a lot of the drivers come to life. But Bottas just wasn't one of them, but did make up for it in the race and got P2, which is basically the minimum that his team would have expected him to do. So is that why he doesn't maybe get a nine?
2: Yeah, that's, that's exactly right, Jess. I mean, it's interesting. The glaze break thing is there's a minor mystery surrounding it because Toto Wolff was asked about this. It was like, well, if that was a problem, why do you not change it? You're allowed to under the rules ahead of the race. And Toto Wolf's point was, well, it was only really, you know, a wet weather issue, as you say, Jess. So it would have gone away in the race. But yeah, just a, just a question mark as to why Mercedes didn't actually change that part. Um, but yeah, but the the reason why he, he he's marked down on Hamilton does include qualifying because Bottas himself said after the race, Despite the brake problem, I still I still underperformed. He was very honest. I, I really appreciate that. And I think we all should, you know, when drivers are, are honest in their feedback. So, yes, yeah, so that's why he was just like, didn't get the maximum out of it in qualifying, even with even with the issue. And then actually, when you think about it, he took a long time to beat Max Verstappen in what was a faster car. Uh, he blamed sort of traffic when he came out after his stop. And, it, and I was just a bit like, well, yeah, I take your point, Valtteri, because it's quite a short lap. Lots of drivers, but your Mercedes is on another level compared to all those cars you're lapping.
1: Fair analysis, I think. So let's move on to his teammate, who you've given a perfect score to. Now, is this predominantly due to his absolute dominance in qualifying?
2: Qualifying and the race. He was he was, he was was sublime. The qualifying lap is just incredible. On pole by 1.2 seconds over Max Verstappen, who's brilliant in the wet. Hamilton was just phenomenal. And then when it came to the race... He never looked like he was going to lose it. Once he, he, you know, he aced the start. Verstappen's under a bit of pressure from Sainz. There's the difference. Controls the restart. There's a tiny little slip at turn three at one point, but he doesn't go off the track. Unlike Roman Grosjean, who'd done it a few laps before, and he just, he just never looked like losing. This was, this was Lewis Hamilton hitting back. I think, as I said in my, in my race report for Autosport magazine, where last week there were errors, this week there was nothing but excellence, and that's why he deserves a perfect score.
1: Yeah, I think it was just one of those typical easy day at the office type. He just was on a cruise, really, wasn't he? He was on his own. It was just that level of dominance. uh, And that, as you said, the qualifying lap for me was just out of this world. But obviously, this is exactly what Lewis Hamilton had to do because he's, he's in a deficit to his teammate in the driver championship. Finishing fourth last weekend has put him massively on the back foot. So is it enough? He's kind of got a hope that Bottas implodes at some point. And has a has an equally bad weekend as he had last weekend. At this point in time, you know Bottas is doing everything that he needs to do. So no doubt you guys have your own opinions on the driver rankings. So make sure, as I said before, that you head over to Autosport.com uh, and make sure you subscribe because we're going to be giving you loads more in-depth analysis of the race weekends as the weeks go on. Um, but. Thanks, Alex, for uh, giving us your rankings, even though uh, we don't always see eye to eye. I think it's, it opens up good debate and uh, we'll see you after Hungary.
2: Well, those are my Styrian Grand Prix Autosport driver ratings and all that's left to say is thanks to you for listening. But just before we do go, we'd like to remind you that the latest issue of Autosport magazine is available on the supermarket shelves and in newsagents, as well as on the doormats of subscribers there will be a new issue of the magazine for you to pick up every thursday packed full of news analysis and the usual stunning photography and of course if you want unlimited access to autosport from the comfort of your home visit autosport.com slash plus to find out how to subscribe to our digital package thanks again and we'll be back soon with another episode of the autosport podcast music is 6am by trilo written by marcus simmons See soundcloud.com slash Trilo Music.
0: You really can sell to anyone, from anywhere. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Shopify.com slash free22. Internet connection required. Not available on mountaintops or sea floors.
1: Sports Social
0: Podcast Network. 18 plus.